Hello, welcome to the No Sanity Required Podcast. Glad you could join us. Today, we're going to talk about the glory of God. We're specifically today going to talk about the glory of God in suffering. Welcome to No Sanity Required from the Ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a podcast about the Bible, culture, and stories from around the globe. How do we make sense of suffering? This is a big one, man. This is a huge point of discussion and a topic of conversation. Hope this is helpful. So if you've got a few minutes, uh, get comfortable, or if you're on your commute, uh, give a listen. But I want to go to Romans chapter 8, verse 18, in a very familiar verse of Scripture. It says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Let me ask you a question. What's the hardest day of your life? Think, just take a minute and think about this. What's the hardest day of your life? Could have been uh, a spouse being unfaithful and you found out about that. Could be the death of a loved one. Could be a doctor's report that you or someone you love has a terminal illness. Could be coming to terms with abuse that you've in, endured as a child. Maybe you endured like terrible hardship as a child. Could be uh, news that someone you love has, has been killed in an accident and just like that, they're gone. Maybe it was the news that, uh, that you're losing your job or that, that the, the bank is going to take away your home. I don't, I don't know what the hardest day of your life might've been. There's, there's several that, that come into my mind. Certainly the, the loss of a couple of children and miscarriage. Those were difficult days. I can think about the uh, some decisions that my father made that affected our family. I can think about the death of four Snowbird staff members in an automobile accident and that left two survivors hanging on in intensive care for a month. I can think of several days in my life that were very difficult. Now, now let's let's go let's let's pan out, go larger scale. I, I was trying to think of major days in history. I remember when I was growing up, uh, my grandparents' generation, the World War II generation, they would talk about December 7th, 1941. What was December 7th, 1941? Do you know? That was the day that Pearl Harbor was bombed and attacked by the Japanese. And so that was a, that was a day that, the, that our president said would live in infamy, and it certainly has. But I don't remember that day because I wasn't alive. But that for that generation, that was a day that they – that and even now, two generations later, when I hear December seventh, boom, my mind goes straight to Pearl Harbor. Uh, and then I remember as a child growing up. I remember when I was in elementary school, the twentieth anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And I remember my parents talking, I remember my mom talking about remembering where she was as a school age kid when that happened. You know, and it's like oh, I remember where I was when I got the news of uh, the Kennedy assassination. And for most of us, probably in our generation, the thing we remember, Gen X uh, and the millennial generation should be able to remember this, would be the September 11th attacks. 2001, September 11, 2001, the attacks on the World Trade Center. That's a, that's a day that has become, like now when you hear that date, September 11th, it means one thing for most people. Now for me, it also means the birth of my second child, my firstborn son. He was born on September 11th of 2002 on the one year anniversary. That's a cool side story because he was born at nine 11 
And so the ABC affiliate came out and did a story on uh, on new life coming into the world on such a dark day, a day of remembrance, the one year anniversary. That's kind of cool. It was funny. They wouldn't, they weren't interested in interviewing me at the time. I was pretty much, which this is not too much different than where life is today, but I definitely looked like a hillbilly mountain man. I had a beard hanging way down and I didn't have a shirt on. I was standing in the hospital hallway holding my new son and a dirty Carhartts had been logging. We were clearing land at Snowbird and, and, and had to be, and just boom, ran to the hospital all of a sudden. And so I looked pretty rough, I think. And they came in and uh, they went right past me and interviewed little, which was probably the better thing to do. But that was an exciting, that was an exciting idea, you know, that here's life on a day that for so many has represented death. September 11th for most people is, is a day that just is burned in your memory. You know, you can remember where you were. I didn't know about the attacks until that afternoon because I was out bow hunting. That was the, that was the opening week of bow season. It always is. And uh, so I was out in the woods. I was in, in the woods with a buddy and we came out late to get a late lunch. And, uh, and the cafe we went to was completely empty. And by the time we realized what was going on, it was like, uh, it was over, you know, and, and I was a couple hours from home where we were hunting that opening week we were, where we were camped and hunting and, I drove home and I remember this was before a lot of people had cell phones. I did not have a cell phone. So I had to find a phone, call home and tell little who at the time we had one newborn, one small child. We had a one-year-old and I said, Hey, I'm coming home. And I remember driving home is the most eerie thing being on the interstate. There were very few cars. People were sheltering at home because we were, there was this fear that our whole nation was being, was going to be attacked. Like where else are they going to attack? You know, and it was crazy. The skies were empty. There were no airplanes flying other than, you know, like fighter jets. And there was this sense of, man, we're at war and it has come to our homeland. It was crazy. I remember driving those two hours just with this somber reality that, uh, I was in it. My truck didn't have a radio, so there was nothing to listen to. We didn't have iPhones and iPods and ability to listen to podcasts. And so I just drove home in silence and reflection and prayer. It was crazy. Um, yeah. So there's those days you remember. On a, on a large national scale or international scale, there's also those days that, that you remember personally. And right now in our nation and in our world, we're facing days that are revealing to us the frailty of humanity. If anything we can definitely agree on in the face of this virus, it's the frailty of the human condition. I mean, and, and people can, politicians, I've, I've already heard politicians trying to capitalize on this because it's a an election year and they're saying, well, the American spirit won't be quenched and we'll, we, we will prevail. And, you know, but at the end of the day, yeah, we will, humanity will survive this, but a lot of people are dying and we realize the frailty, like, like on my most, on my strongest, most healthy day, I am, I am living in a body of contaminated flesh that is going to decay, you know, <laughs> it's so morbid sounding, but it's a reality. And right now we're living in a, in a day that it's it's not one specific particular date that we will remember, but we will remember the year 2020 for the rest of our lives and our kids' lives and our grandkids' lives. Why? Because this virus that's claimed thousands of lives has paralyzed even the healthiest people, the, the strongest societies, and it's driven us into complete inactivity and solitude of life. I'll be honest with you. I'm enjoying certain aspects of this because it's forced me to slow down and spend time with my family. 
I try to focus on that in, in day-to-day life anyway. I try to be very intentional with my family, but right now I'm, 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 you're left with no choice. And it's been wonderful to have that time. But the reality is, is looming just outside the, you know, the property line here in my home that the world is in complete chaos and disarray right now. So what do we make of it? Remember a few years ago, preaching Romans 8.18 as the funeral text for some very close friends who serve on the mission field who are snowbird missionaries, Red Oak missionaries, and and they, they lost their baby girl. She died, I think, six weeks old, and she passed into eternity. Her name was Ava. I remember preaching, I remember flying to Texas to preach her funeral and preaching this text. I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. How do we consider? What does it mean to consider? It means to, to think and contemplate deeply, but to think and contemplate deeply and come to a realization of truth. Remember preaching that funeral and saying, "Why do we? How do we have confidence that Ava is in heaven? Is it because some of us might make the mistake that it's because, well, God wouldn't send a child to hell. God would only bring a child to heaven. And while I do believe that there's biblical support for that, we need to understand why, not just because God is nice and He wouldn't do that. If He's just, and a child is born sinful, how do we reconcile that?" that God would send this child to heaven. And on the other side of the same coin is the mistake of, well, she's gone to heaven because uh, her parents were Christians, and so that automatically gets her a pass. It doesn't work that way. Each one of us is responsible for our own sin and how we respond to the gospel. What about a child that can't respond? Well, we went on in the hope that we have when we consider and find truth that that word is heavy for I consider the sufferings. So I, I consider, I think about it, and I come to a place of satisfied knowledge and truth. There's truth in the reality that Ava is in heaven because the gospel of Jesus Christ has made a way for her. That was a deep, longer conversation where we looked at why we believe that God would take a child who's not old enough to confess Christ as Lord and bring them into eternal glory, but we believe that the Scripture teaches that. But it takes consideration to come to that point. I consider the sufferings of this present time. What are the sufferings of this present time? Well, it's all around us, isn't it? It's all around us. We've seen the images, the pictures, the video. Places like northern Italy, New York City, where the the virus is devastated. Large groups of people in one location. People are fearfully huddling in their apartment buildings and their their tiny little structures and dwellings. They can't go outside for fear of contracting the virus. And it's a reality that we're all having to live with. I'm thankful that I live in a rural country setting, man. I live at the foot of a mountain. Got a few acres and some chickens and animals and we got the woods to play in and a creek and a pond to fish in and we can ride the four wheeler around the property and get out and enjoy the sunshine and I'm thankful for that. But for many, they're confined to tight, tight conditions right now in the larger city. And they're, we're, we're, in a, we're in a very difficult place as, a, as humanity. So how do we compare the sufferings of this present time 
to, to what's coming. Well, I consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing. Wow. Stop and think about this. This verse means so much to us at any time. But man, when we're faced with hardship, suffering, calamity, pestilence, death, this verse lays a foundation that literally all of our hope can rest on. The old hymn said, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And the wording in this verse is amazing. Listen, to, think about this. He's saying there's no way to compare the suffering of this life in any capacity to the glory that we will one day know and experience. It's not worth comparing. Wow. What a way to look at this. It's enough to park right there in that one thought and just be happy, even in the midst of this suffering. Listen, what there's a, there's a guy named Kent Hughes I love to read. Kent Hughes has, has written quite a few commentaries. He wrote a commentary on the book of Romans that I've enjoyed immensely. He says this. I love this word picture. We can compare a thimble of water with all of the sea. So think about that. You take, take the Atlantic Ocean. It's not even the largest ocean, but it's the one closest to us where I live. Take the Pacific Ocean, and it is humongous. Take the Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean, and and take a thimble and fill it with water. You can compare. There's a visual. There's a scientific. There's a mathematical comparison of that thimble full of water, which is less than an ounce, and with that ocean that you're looking at. So he says, we can compare a thimble of water with all the sea, but we cannot compare our sufferings with the coming glory. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That is wonderful news. As difficult as this life is, as hard as this is that we're enduring right now, this, the, this, this pestilence, this virus, this contagion, it cannot be compared in any way to what awaits us on the other side of this life. So, so let's talk for just a minute in closing about the word glory. Wayne Grudem defines that word this way. Glory is the created brightness that surrounds God's revelation of himself. In, other, in another sense of the term, it refers to God's honor first to God's honor. That's glory. Now the Bible teaches that for the believer, we will one day be glorified. So that that's, that's the process of what we call glorification. One day we will be made forever like Jesus. So in, in Romans eight, if you continue reading, it says that just as Jesus was raised from the dead in, in bodily resurrection by the power of the spirit. So that spirit lives in us. will also one day raise our bodies. When we die one day, there's going to be a physical death. We're all going to die. If the virus takes your life, it's okay. If the virus doesn't get to you, it's okay. God's in control, but ultimately every one of us will face and walk through the doors of death. And for the believer on the other side of death, what awaits us is an eternity with Christ. Eternity with Christ. Let me, let me give John Piper's definition of glory. Glory literally means holiness, excellence, beauty, honor, and weightiness. Okay, here's Piper's definition. Sorry, I got tongue-tied there for a minute. The glory of God is the holiness of God put on display. That is, it is the infinite worth of God made manifest. 
So God is infinite in his value and his worth and his honor and his majesty. And that's unknowable to us if he doesn't reveal it to us. And in glory one day, we will literally come face to face with that. We'll see him and know him. Ezekiel says that God's glory is not of this world. David in Psalm 24 says that God is the king of glory. Psalm 19 and Romans 1 reflect in creation the glory of God. Isaiah 43 verse 7 says that man's purpose is to bring glory to God. This is, uh, this is seen also in the, the first answer to the Westminster Shorter Catechism, something we teach our kids when they're younger. Man's chief end is to bring glory to God and enjoy him forever. Angels cry and reflect on the glory of God. In Isaiah 6 there, around the throne of God singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. In other places in Scripture, we see that happen with the angels. And God is passionate about his own glory. He says, my glory I will not give to another in Isaiah 48, 11. Missions and evangelism are driven by the glory of God. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. And our hope is in the glory of God. Romans 5, 2 says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And our future rests on this reality. Those he justified, he also glorified. So what do we make of all of this? Well, there is something that awaits us on the other side of this life, and it is greater than anything we can imagine in this life, and the sufferings of this world and this life and this time are not even worth comparing. Not even worth comparing. We're going to be glorified. The final step in our redemption process is glorification. The first step is justification. God saves you, declares you righteous. The second step is a long, ongoing step called sanctification. It's in this life where we're continually being made more into the image of Jesus, becoming more like Christ, led by the Spirit of God. But in our own resurrection of soul into a new life, there'll be a new body. We'll be like Jesus. No pain, no sin, no suffering, no more death ever again. So in these ideas of glory and glorification, we'll be like Jesus. We'll see him as we never have. Even those who saw Jesus in his own life didn't see him the way that we'll one day see him. It's an amazing thought that in the brokenness of this world right now, we can consider these sufferings and know that what awaits us in glory when we see Jesus and behold him as he is, when we gaze at his face on the throne and we take in all of the glory revealed and we, and we, and we live in a kingdom where there's no sin, no suffering. Imagine the Garden of Eden before sin. Food in abundance. Weather that is perfect. Imagine the most perfect day. Today, by God's grace, I'm looking at an incredibly blue sky. Not a single cloud. I don't see a cloud anywhere. It's supposed to be around 70 today. Man, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to spend the afternoon outside. Imagine a never-ending place of perfection where we enjoy one another and we enjoy the Lord and there's no suffering. We need to let that create the context for the suffering we face today and find hope and peace in that. Hope that's an encouragement to you and I hope it gives you something to sort of go on. Uh, I know that a lot of you maybe maybe struggling right now, man. It's a hard time, hard hard season, but we trust the goodness of the Lord even in the hardest days. 
Thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening to No Sanity Required. Please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps. Visit us at SWOutfitters.com to see all of our programming and resources. And we'll see you next week on No Sanity Required.